Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. And then it's so good to have Jada. Jada, would you stand up tonight and let me embarrass you real quick? Come on, just just half stand up a little bit. Amen. This is Jada. Jada, this is how long we've been a church. Jada used to come. She's 21 now and in college studying to be criminal in criminal justice. And I ran into her at the racetrack uh, gas station, not by accident. Amen. And and uh, she used to be in the youth group with Pastor Dylan and Ashley. And uh, so 10 we've known her since she was 10 years old, 10 or 11 years old. And uh, she made it tonight. So y'all make her feel welcome. Amen. Let her know that she's welcome back. Back to church, amen? Can y'all imagine what would happen if people would start coming back to church? We did that back to church Sunday, but I'll tell you what, anybody who's been in this church a while knows if we had everybody come back to church, we would need three or four services, amen, to fit everybody in. And we're going to see them come back, amen? Praise God. Well, I got a good word for you, I believe, tonight. If you got your notebooks... And your pens and your Bibles go to First Thessalonians chapter four, and uh, I was mentioning this to Braden and Joelle tonight uh, as we were doing some premarital counseling. Amen. Got a wedding coming up in November, and uh, I was mentioning to them and, and telling them how important it is to take notes because here's what happens, and I haven't said this possibly for a while. When you take notes, now if you don't have a notebook, don't feel condemned or feel bad, but I would encourage you to buy one, and if you do it on your phone or tablet, that's great, but the problem with that phone is there's other distractions there that you could be led off on, amen? But whatever you want to do, take notes, but here's what I believe happens when you take notes. Some people have a gift to retain, and they can hear a message and remember it and remember it all, and it sticks, and, and I could quiz you after service or even tomorrow or Friday and say, hey, what did I preach on? And some of you are so smart in here that you would remember most of the message because that's just how smart you are. I'm not one of those. And I realize when I take notes that when I hear the message, if you hear this message tonight and you just sit there and listen, you might, if you're really smart, remember about 25% of it, maybe, if you're really smart. But if you listen to the message and take notes, you're starting to remember as you're writing down, I believe you remember about half of it. But if you want to remember all of it, you listen, take notes, take it home, and reread it again tomorrow or Friday or tonight or Saturday, and I believe you'll retain all of it. Amen? And how many know when God speaks to us in a message on a Sunday or a Wednesday, he's speaking straight to us from his throne? And he's given us a message that can transform our lives. So to go back and listen to it again is a powerful thing. And I'm going to give you a great discipleship message tonight. How many want to be discipled? How many disciples do I have in here tonight? Amen. It's a good discipleship message. It may spread into two weeks. And we're going to start here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ that you should abound. Here's God's will for us, that we should abound more and more. So there should be growth in our lives. Discipleship is, is I haven't arrived yet, but I can grow more. And and I'm learning how to serve God, but I could learn more. And I'm closer to God than I used to be, but I could be closer still. Amen? And we never arrive, and we never get to a place where we know it all. We never get to a place. I I guarantee you, no matter how much you love God in here tonight, you are not sitting here saying, man, I, I don't need to get any closer to God. I don't need to learn anything else about God. That's why we're here. And so we abound more and more. And he says, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We ask you to anoint our ears, our pens, our Bibles, our spirits, and my words tonight. That we would be challenged and comforted and exhorted and discipled in this place tonight, Lord. And we would be better today as Christians and believers and stronger and closer to you today than we were yesterday and the day before that, Father. And we just ask you for this constant and never-ending improvement in our lives. Amen? That's the message tonight. Constant and never-ending improvement. If you're taking notes. Constant and never-ending improvement. Improvement. How many know we can get constantly and never-ending 
better at our walk with God. We can get closer constantly and never ending in our walk with our God, our discipleship with our Lord, our understanding of his word. And I want to hit some areas in your life tonight maybe that you could think about that you could get closer. Has anybody ever heard of the basketball player Michael Jordan? Whether you think he was great or not, he's considered the greatest basketball player of all time. And the, the, he said this statement in athletics. He said, the day I stop improving is the day I walk away from the game. The best player, in many people's opinions, to ever play basketball, said the day I stop improving is the day I walk away from the game. How many know as believers we should say, I'm going to grow every single day in the Lord? The day I stop growing, I'm not doing, I'm, I'm going backwards. We're not going to quit, but we're not going to, we need to go forwards. We need to grow, grow more. Church, if we're in the same place tonight that we were this, this month last year, something's wrong. We should be growing. Amen? And, and how many are blown away, by the way, by the fact that we are almost in October already? This year has absolutely flown. And, and as Jesse said, we've got short time to work. This is going to be a powerful month. If it's not next week, the week after, I'm going to preach a message on seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest about sowing seed. And we're about to sow a lot of seeds this month in October. We're about to put a lot of seeds in the ground, and we're about to see a lot of people get saved through these outreaches on the square, through the movies back behind the building, through Harvest Fest, through Trunk or Treat, and all these outreaches that we're going to do in the month of October, and souls are going to come in and get saved. How many believe it with me? How many believe with me in the month of October that we're going to see people filling these altars every service, getting on their knees and saying, I want Jesus to come into my life and change me? Like he did ours. Amen? How many know tonight that discipleship is a two-way street? Discipleship is a two-way street. The key to discipleship, which is the middle part of our vision, is you. You're the key to discipleship. Each one of us individually. How many know tonight that it's the truth that in this church, in our body here, we talked a couple weeks ago or last week about how important our home church is, how important it is that we come to church. How many know in this place we are only as strong as a church as our weakest link? Who's the weakest link, by the way? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Humility. Amen. Me too. I'll be the one. I'm the weakest. How many know that we don't know who it is, but there's the weakest link in here? Not to point them out, but how many know we should say, I'm not going to be the one that's going to be the weakest link. I'm going to strive to be the strongest. And as believers tonight, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we begin to, to learn how to be disciples and learn how to improve and understand what discipleship is and that discipleship starts with me. We can see some amazing things happen. And if you, if you reach up for the stars you will not come up with a fistful of mud. Amen? If you're reaching down, that's, that's not where God wants you to be. You got to reach up. And when you reach up, you're never going to reach for mud because you're reaching up. And we have a God who is attainable tonight. We have a, 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 a walk with God that is attainable tonight. But we need to have some goals in our lives that are beyond us. How many would like to start using your faith? This is another message coming up soon. How many would like to start using the faith God gave you? Hello. Not asking for faith, using the faith you have. And this is something that's so important. In John 6, I've told you before, don't read it tonight. I've told you many times about the book of John 6, chapter 6. It's the hardest, strongest set of verses in the whole Bible about discipleship. And you can read it later. You ought to read it every once in a while because it will challenge you. And, and, and Jesus gets to a place where he says, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. And a bunch of his followers get up and walk out. They leave. They just leave. And Jesus basically said to them, hey, see how they left the door over there? There's the other door. Who wants to go with them? How many know Jesus needs some real followers? He doesn't need weak people. He needs strong people. Amen. He needs strong, disciplined disciples who are willing to learn the word of God. Amen. And so it's hard. And in this, this setting of Wednesday nights, this is where discipleship happens. When you come back on a Wednesday night, now you're separating yourself from what we call the SMOs. 
I didn't just cuss, amen. Some of you have never heard that. That means Sunday morning only. Some Christians only go to church on Sunday morning only. When you start coming on Wednesday night, you start separating yourself from the other people. How many know in sports or your career or anything you do, there's a separation from those who are there and from those who are overcomers? I'm not saying you're better because you come on Wednesday night. I'm saying you're separating yourself and you're saying, you know what, I want more than what God gave me on Sunday. I'm going to come back in on a Wednesday night and I want to be discipled and I want to be challenged and I want to abound. Another word for abound is to excel. To excel in the things of God. So constant and never-ending improvement. I learned this concept, even though it's, a, it's, a, it's not in the Bible, those exact words, it's a principle that I learned a bunch of years ago from a businessman, and I've, learned, I've, I've taken that and put it into my own personal walk with God that I can get better every day. And when I was coaching basketball for a few years in Grapevine, I learned from that coach, because everywhere you go you learn. If you're a learner, you're smart, and you pick up things everywhere you go. And he would say in practice, we need to get 1% better today than we were yesterday. What would happen if we would apply? How many know there's some things in sports and in the business world that we can apply in the church that have to do with our own personal walks? And if we would all say, if I could get 1% better with God, 1% closer with God today than I was yesterday, what would begin to happen in our church? Amen? If I could get 1% better in understanding the Word of God, 1% better in my prayer life. Here's some areas that you might want to work on, that you might want to improve on, your prayer life. Raise your hand if you have the perfect, most amazing prayer life in the world in here. I mean, you can't pray more. You pray too much. Nobody's going to raise your hand for that. We can all have a better prayer life. How about your reading and understanding of the word? Is, is anybody in here able to stand up and say, Pastor, I got that. Check that off. Check. I've got a perfect understanding of the word of God. No, of course not. How about your relationship with your spouse? Let me see somebody who can stand up and say, I got the perfect marriage in here. I've got it all together. I mean, we just, we just, we're just living up on the clouds. I don't see any hands going up in here. How about your relationship with your kids? How many parents could say, you know what, my parents, my kids worship the ground I walk on. They say yes before I even ask. They come up and say, hey, there's not enough dishes to clean. Do you want me to clean your room, mom? Anybody hearing that at the house? How about your just overall discipline? Is everybody just... Everybody get up at 5 a.m. this morning and work out and pray for two hours and read half the Bible and fix the, the world's problems. I mean, you're just so disciplined. You didn't eat anything you weren't supposed to eat, think anywhere you're supposed to think, do anything you weren't supposed to do, say anything. Is anybody perfect there? How many know I'm giving you some real areas that we can constantly and never-ending improve on? Do I have anybody in here who is the perfect witness? I mean, you just are, you've got it down. The second you open your mouth, people are saying, where's your church and how can I be saved? And how much do I need to give in the offering this week? Nobody's got it all together, right? These are six areas, your prayer life, your reading and understanding of the word, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, your discipline and your bold witness are areas, those are ones I picked that are the most important that you could get better on. How many want to get better on those things with me? I do. I do. And so here's an interesting thing. How many know we, we do from time to time a, a disciples, and we're probably due for one right now, a disciples in the making? We get some guys up here who preach a message, and God's working on their call, and, and, and the, the whole thing is disciples in the making. And that I-N-G is, is an important word because it's the present continuous tense. Look at that English present continuous tense that's something that's going on all the time how many are how many in here are disciples in the making amen all of us we're all disciples in the making so we're we're that means something's happening that means that from from today wednesday 
I've been being made into continuous present tense more of a disciple than I was on Sunday. I am going to brag on you tonight and tell you how refreshing it is to have so many people tell me, I can't remember if it was Sunday or the Sunday before, or if it was last Wednesday, honestly. I don't remember what day it was when I preached that message about our roles in the church. It is so refreshing to hear so many people say, Pastor, what a great message. I thank God for that message. That's a, that's a healthy church. No one came up to me and said, man, that was too hard, or what did you mean by that? I had all kinds of people tell me, thank you for that kind of message. That's the attitude that God is looking for, where we're teachable, amen? So we're not, we're not disciples that are made, listen to this, or we're not disciples that are going to be made. We are disciples in the making. Amen? Tell the person next to you, you're a disciple in the making. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. At any moment, now, yesterday, tomorrow, this morning, at any moment, and, and I'm just going to throw this out. I, I didn't end up preaching it, but this kind of goes into it, really. I thought about preaching a message that just talked about 3.19 p.m. on Thursday. I was just going to title it, 3.19 p.m. on Thursday. And some people say, what in the world does that mean? I want to be serving God and doing great things for the Lord at 3.19 p.m. on Thursday. Amen? How many get what that means? Just at some random time, on some random day, that's not a church day, it's in the middle of the day, I want to be doing things for God. All the time, I want to be in it. So listen to this, you're either climbing or sliding. Can't be doing both at the same time. You're either climbing or you're sliding, you're growing or you're dying. There's no in-between. How many know that that's the truth? We're, we're, we're always moving. We're always doing something right now in this place. And I, and I hope to God by faith that it's all the, the same direction and the right direction. But if we could see right now, wouldn't it be amazing if, if we could just look across this congregation and see the arrow? Whether we're going up or down. And I don't mean heaven or hell. I mean growing or dying. Where we're, we're either uh, climbing or sliding. If you could just see the arrow. I, I believe by faith and I prophesy over you and believe over you tonight that the arrow's going up on every single one of you in this place. I'm just seeing it by faith that every person I'm looking at, that arrow's shooting up right now because you're growing. And not only are you growing, you've got a desire to grow. Amen? You're either going forward or you're going backwards. How many believe that tonight? So are we constantly increasing the quality of our walk with God? Are we constantly increasing the quality of, the walk, of our walk with God? That's a question that I can't answer for you. I've said that a bunch of times. You can't answer that for me. But I want my walk with God and the quality that I have to be better now after 29 years than it was at 9 years. Don't raise your hand tonight, but can you say tonight, after whether you've been saved six months or 60 years, that you love Jesus more tonight than you've ever loved him before? If you can't, then you're not going up. You're not growing. You should be able to say, no matter what you're going through, I didn't, and notice I didn't ask anything about your circumstances. I didn't ask how much money's in the bank or how you feel or how your family's doing or how the economy is. I said, are you more in love with Jesus tonight than you were 20 years ago or five years ago or however long it was? And if you can say yes, then you're growing. And if you can at least say, I want to be more in love, then you're growing. Ecclesiastes 9, look at this, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. This is such an amazing verse. For there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. It says this, we're all going to the grave. If the, Lord, if the Lord tarries, we're all going to the grave. Can I get an amen? That's the truth. So he says, you can't do things after you're dead. He's saying you need to find something to do with your hands, your body, your life, your work for God now while you're alive and while you're above ground. Now here's a good statement to write down. This is why you take notes, especially in a discipleship message. This is so good. If you continually compete with others, 
you will become bitter. If you continuously compete with others, you will become bitter. But listen to this. If you continuously compete with yourself, you will become better. Become better than the person you were yesterday. Become better than the person you were last week. That's so good. But if you're competing, so what, what does that mean? What does so-and-so's prayer look, life look like? What is so-and-so, how much do they read the Bible? Well, what are they, don't worry about all that. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Worry about what you're doing. Worry about how much time you're spending. How many know if you spend enough time in the presence of the Lord, that's automatically going to take care of itself. You're not going to be worried about what everybody else is doing. So listen, the first step to improvement, this is so good, is to know ourselves. We know we got to know ourselves. You know what that means? That means I need to know what my weaknesses are. I need to know what my errors are. I need to know what my deficiencies are. I need to know what weaknesses and sin that I have. That by divine grace, how many know it's by grace we overcome all those things? But I need to know what my weaknesses are. You need to know what your weaknesses are. You need to know what those things are. And this is part of discipleship too. Is learning from your mistakes and not falling into the same ones over and over again. For those that are watching online, you can, you can understand tonight and listen tonight. I told myself last week I was going to every once in a while look at the camera because I'm always looking to the left or the right and I feel like they get left out. Amen. If you would focus on those weaknesses and recognize those weaknesses in those areas, you could deal with them and not have to fall into that again. Understand, simply, if, if I have a, had a problem with, with alcohol before I got saved, then I don't go around alcohol. I don't go around it. I don't, I don't put myself in a position to fail. And, and I don't have to take the time to give all the examples. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Say this with me. Constant and never-ending improvement. That's I-N-G. It's, it's an ing. We're pr- continuous present tense. And this I pray, here's what, what the Bible's telling us to do, that your love would abound still more and more. More and more. More times more. And in knowledge and in discernment. How many in here will raise your hand for that that could use some more discernment? How many in here could use some more discernment? So I was just waiting for you to, the rest of you that were phased out there for a second to raise your hand. We, we bought a little swing for Briar, and this morning we hypnotized him. We did not know we were doing it, but we put him in there, and I was sitting there reading my, my Bible, and I looked over at him, and, and his arms were flat like this, and he was just staring at me. for a long time so I got down there in front of him and he just kept staring at me and then Carla came over and he just kept staring at us and she turned the swing off and he went and he started looking at us he was literally hypnotized so maybe I need to stop going back from left to right up here maybe I'm hypnotizing you Amen. and this I, so go back one time and this I pray say this again verse 9 that your love may abound still more and more. So we're seeing here that never do we see in the Bible that they say that you would reach that love that you should have. It's always talking about abounding and reaching and more and more in knowledge and discernment. And and that's why I said, church, we're never going to finish until we get to heaven. Verse 10. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Shouldn't that be a desire we want? We don't want to do anything to upset God. We don't want to do anything to hurt God. That's, let me just give you a nugget tonight. You really want to make it for God? Get close enough to Him that the things that you do bother Him. And that you understand they bother Him and you won't do it anymore. Like you, you, you don't just feel bad because you know it's wrong. You don't want to hurt God. 
Get that close to God. Where you can literally sense the pain that it's causing him that you're doing that thing or thinking that thing or saying that thing. So, so what I'm trying to say with all this is how, how many know, and actually I'm going to go ahead and read verse 11. It says, then having been filled, I don't have that in the verse on the screen, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Let me just throw this nugget in for you tonight. Many of us are trying, and this isn't on purpose, it's not to feel bad. Many of us are trying to do all this on our own power instead of through Christ. It's through Christ what, what did Paul say? I can do all things through my power and the will of my mind. That's not what the verse says. I can do all things through Christ to what? Gives me strength. But here's the important part of discipleship. You can't fix what you don't know is broke. When he talks about discernment there... He is telling us that God would be able to speak something into our life and we would be able to discern and say, God is speaking to me on this. This is an area I've got to fix. One thing that I have come to terms with and understand more today than I've ever understood in ministry is I can't fix anybody. You can't fix anybody but yourself. We can fix ourselves. And I, and I don't mean that we're leaving God out there. I'm saying we can recognize what we need to fix in our lives, but you cannot fix anybody else. You can't. And only God can do that in a person. Only God can change me. And what's your job? To pray for me. What's your job? To pray for your spouse. Pray for that person that is not doing the things that you think they you got to pray for them. That's all you can do. But in your own personal life, you can't fix what you don't know is broke. What you don't know is broke, sorry. So here's, here's an important thing to think about. This requires small changes, small improvements. You know why we fail a lot of times? We try to do the big things without doing the small things. What do I mean by that? I can come out of a message like this that challenges us and and says, man, I want to be better. I want to be stronger. I want to be the best. I want to be the best. I want to grow. And, and you can have this attitude. You come out of here just super excited to do great things for God. And the problem is, is you're going to say, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I'm going to pray for three hours. And I'm going to read half the Bible before I go to work. No coffee. And I'm going to fast till Sunday so when the Word of God is preached, I'm going to feel it and hear it and it's going to change me. But you haven't prayed for two minutes. You haven't read a, a verse in the Bible. And you haven't fasted a meal. See what I'm saying? We, we need little improvements. This week, man, I've gotten up and, and I've prayed for 10 minutes. Tomorrow, this week, now, this next week, I'm going 15 I'm going to stay in God's presence longer. I'm going to, I, read a, I read a chapter this week. I'm going to read two, read two chapters. I'm going to get what I'm saying. Small changes and improvements, but not on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. And here's what happens. It starts to accumulate and starts to cause momentum in your life. Momentum. Momentum. Start, things start to happen. Things start to happen. You start to see little things happen. And God moves in this little thing. And then you start to hear God's little voice on this little thing. And you go, wow, I heard that God. And that worked. And you start gaining momentum. But you're never going to get that if you try to do the big things. So you need to ask yourself, what's the most important thing to you? There's things I'm saying here, but that might not be the most important thing to you. I know for me, and I've said this before, and it hasn't changed in pretty much my whole life. I want to be the best father I can be. I want to be the best dad in the world. I'm competing against myself to be the best dad in the world. Because it doesn't matter how good of a dad I am to your kids. I have two daughters, now two sons, and I want to be the best dad. But I'm not competing to be the best dad for your kids. I'm competing to be the best dad for my kids. Like, I don't care if your kids think I'm a great dad. Are you following me? I mean, that's great. But what good would that be if my kids didn't think that? I want to be the best husband I can be. 
I want to be the best son that I can be. I want to be the best pastor I can be. And I want to be the best disciple I can be. I want to be the best. Not comparing myself to another pastor or another disciple. I want to be the best that God's called me to be. I want to be what God has called me to be to the fullest of what he's called me to be. So I'm competing against myself. Are you following me? I'm not competing against you as a disciple. I'm not competing against you as a father. I'm not competing against you as a, as a husband. I'm competing against me as a father and me as a husband and me as a pastor because I can only be the best version of me because it's me and I and God that are working this out. Amen. So if you want to improve any aspect of your life, here's the thing we got to do. We have to be committed. That's kind of what we talked about last week. you got to say, church is important for me. Getting to church is important for me. I, I mentioned this last week. I've never met anybody in all the years of ministry where they, someone came up and said, all these years of being committed to the church has just totally damaged me. It has just, it has just totally ruined my family. It's ruined my life. I've never met anybody that said that. Right? doesn't even make sense to think that. So here's, here's, here's something that's in, in, on this point that's important. I got here marked with, in my notes, I have certain things like, make sure you say this. We're good. Oh, this is, this is a whistler right here, whether you whistle or not. We're good at seeing what needs to be improved in others. Man, they, they, they got to work on being a better dad. That dude right there, man. That husband, that kid, that son, right? We're good at looking around and, and, and seeing all the people in our lives that need to be better dads and husbands and fathers. But what we really need to do is understand that improvement, the word improvement, starts with the letter I. I. Me. I need to improve. And remember when I said, told you Sunday, when I preach the message, I'm not preaching to you. I've already preached to me. I'm just relaying to you what the Lord showed me. So you can get what the Lord showed me. He's already spoken to me. So I'm improving me. I'm working on me. And I'm not comparing myself. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't look at somebody and admire them. You can't look at somebody and say, I, I would like to be like you. I'm not saying that. That's obvious. But I'm saying in the negative part, don't try to compare yourself to somebody else because you need to be who you're supposed to be that God called you to be. That's why it's you, I. Amen? Now let's finish with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Remember, constant and never-ending improvement. 2 Corinthians 8. But as you abound, and this is a word we've seen, three different verses, in everything. What areas do I need to abound in? What areas do I need to get better in? Everything. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound also in this grace. You know, when we understand truly what grace is, it'll allow us to abound in everything else. I mean, basically, I don't even deserve to be here. I don't even deserve to have a chance, but God is so good. And his grace, the Bible says, abounds more and more. Now, can you imagine, I want you to imagine with me what Victory World Outreach could do here in Denton and what we could do as a fellowship if every day, every day, we would improve on some small area of our lives and, and be discipled in some small way every day. Can you imagine if every disciple in every church in our fellowship in the world would wake up and say, today, I'm going to get 1% better. What can we do as a fellowship? Sky's the limit. Speaking of that, about the fellowship, I was telling Joelle and Braden this. When you get saved, you automatically begin to mature. Do you realize that there is a maturity that comes in your life by simply getting saved? They were kind of asking me some things about when I was young and I got married about the same time they're going to get married. And, 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 I, and I told them, the truth is, simply when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you mature. Because that's the most 
smart decision you can make. So the fact that you accept Christ and believe in the cross and believe what Jesus did on the cross is a sign of maturity because you believe something that is very smart. Amen? Why am I saying that? Because the Bible says that for those that do not believe, the cross is foolishness. For for us that believe, it is salvation. It is eternal life. And so as soon as you get saved, as soon as you say, Jesus, I believe, there's a maturity that comes on you. And I want you to think about this for a second. You may have never thought about this before. Do you realize that how, how blessed you are in this place tonight to be in, not, not only in a great church, but part of a great fellowship? But do you realize that most people, I would love to know a stat, most people in the, in the United States probably never think about anybody outside of their country? Never. I mean, obviously, if the news comes on and you see something about Iran or something, it's like, oh, but I'm talking about having a global understanding of the world. And I was telling Braden and Joel, do you realize that by being saved and being in this church and in this fellowship, you on a weekly basis have a global vision for your life? How powerful is that? And we weekly and monthly talk about other churches in other countries. We, we get to go to conferences where we come from all over the world to one place. And there, what I'm trying to say with all this is in this discipleship, God has given us an opportunity that most people don't have. So most churches, and I don't say this in a negative way, it's just the truth. Most churches don't have a vision outside of their parking lot. Hello? That's the truth. And, and, and they don't even, don't even know it. Because it's all about... Getting everybody into the building. And we're all about getting people into the building. But we're getting them in here to disciple them. So they'll go out and preach the gospel. But most churches don't have a pastor that has a vision or don't have a fellowship that has a vision. And it's just all about, well, we're just, you know, a lot of people say, well, we're just making it. We're just making it. We're just, we're making it. That's not what God called us to do. Just make it. Just get by. Oh, we're just surviving until Jesus comes back. Where in the Word do you see that God wants us just to get by? I I think the last time I checked, the Bible said that we are more than conquerors. That we're the head and not the tail. Above and not below. That all power and all authority has been given to us as disciples. That we can trample on serpents and scorpions. That we can see amazing things. That we can speak to a mountain and tell that mountain to be removed. Amen. How many believe that tonight? How many understand what I'm saying? Hopefully that this is like, wow, you know what? I've never thought about that. I've never realized that on a weekly basis, we have a global vision in this place. That is way beyond our own church. I pray way more for other churches than I do. And I don't say I'm not, I'm not saying I don't pray for you. Don't get me wrong. I pray way more for other churches and other pastors than I do for myself in our church. Because I have a vision that's reaching out other places. Because I know that when I pray for other people, God will bring what we need here. Our focus is sending lots of money to missions and making sure we're doing more and more and more. And when we have that kind of vision, God just takes care of his church. Can I get a better Amen. Little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. Little things. I'm just going to stay here for a minute, and I can already be for sure this is going to take another week, another Wednesday night, because I'm just barely getting started on my notes. Listen, little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. What does it mean? What do you mean by that? Well, read your Bible. Pretty much every story that you see in the Bible, God did a lot with a little. For God, less is more. And so what he's trying to show us is that we need to major in the minors. We need to make sure that we're, we're taking care of the little details, the little things. You know how you're going to have a, listen, pay attention. You know how you're going to have a great marriage? Here's, just take, this, just take some, some notes on this. You want to have a great marriage? Make sure that you say you love your spouse more than on your anniversary and on a birthday. And make sure you give them flowers more than on an anniversary. And make sure you leave a note more. Oh, boy, it got real quiet in here. That was a great place to say amen because I do that all the time. Pastor, don't worry. I'm, doing, I'm a disciple. Hello. 
How about, how about carrying some flowers somewhere and someone runs into, oh, hey, is it your anniversary? No, this is just because. These are just because flowers. Uh, let me let's move on. I'm, that's getting hit back at me pretty hard. Little things don't mean a lot. A lot. They mean everything. Little things, little things, little things. When I look back on my life, it's the little things that people did for me that mean something. I, I kind of expect my wife to do something special for me on our anniversary. It's kind of expected. I kind of expect people to do something for me on my birthday. It's my birthday. But on a day that's no special day, on a Thursday at 3.19 p.m., a text, hey, just thinking about you, just want you to know, and listen, I don't want no text tomorrow, Thursday at 3.19 p.m., by the way. <laughs> hey, just thinking about you, just want you to know you're on my, you're on my heart, I, I appreciate, whatever. I'm going to get what I'm saying. Those little things go a long way. And here's a fact. Long-term change requires Practicing a new pattern for at least 30 days. I know a lot of times we don't ever get to 30 days to get to a habit of the little things. Do you have a habit? Not asking you to raise your hand. Do you have a habit? And I'm going to finish this with this as the musicians begin to come to get us ready for next week. Do you have a habit of getting up to pray? Do you have a habit of reading the Bible? Do you have a habit of witnessing? Do you have a habit? See, all these things can become second nature, that you grab a track and take it into a restaurant with you or take it into the store with you, that you automatically do these things because it's habit. I witness because it's a habit. Because I want people to know about Jesus. I pray because it's a habit. I read the Bible because it's a habit. I go to church because it's a habit. I do these things because it's what I do. And how many know we have lots of bad habits, so we need to get the good habits? So question to end with tonight is, are you a fat cat? First of all, how many have ever heard that saying? Let me see your hand. There's got to be some in here. Fat cat. He's a fat cat. It's a famous saying, and it's actually, it's a definition for it and everything, but I don't use acronyms very much or however they're called. Whenever you use, like, this message is very rare I do something like this. I don't, some people do it all the time, but sometimes it works. Fat. I am fat tonight. I'm a fat cat. Fat, faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful, available, and teachable. Cat. Coachable all the time. Coachable all the time. Tell me what I need to do, coach. Tell me how I need to get better. Going back to Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, whoever, any athlete that's ever done anything amazing in sports, they get interviewed and they say, I could have done better. I could have been a better teammate. I could have, whatever. That's the attitude that God is looking for us in our lives. I could, I could do more. How, how often do we say, I could give more. I could be a better giver. I could be better at being compassionate. I could be better at being patient. I could be, how often do people say, man, I am so excited to be taught. I am so excited to come to church tonight and be coached. Speak to me. How often do we do that? But what would happen if we did? Amen. Faithful, available, teachable, coachable all the time. Lord, these are things tonight that the disciples had. Jesus, you were always teaching parables. You're teaching parables all the time. And those disciples many times weren't coachable. They weren't teachable. They weren't open to what you were trying to teach them because you always said, he who has an ear, let him hear. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, in discipleship, remember this, discipleship is more caught than it is taught. That means you got to reach up and grab it. That means you got to say, that's for me. 
Stay with me tonight as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. A true disciple never says, that's for that person. I hope they heard that. A real disciple says, God, that's for me. That message, that word, that verse, that's me. Thank you. I need that. I'm going to get better. I'm going to improve. Because if you've ever played any kind of sports or been in any kind of competition, the people who excel are the people who are out doing work when everybody else is sleeping. Yes, 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 yes. Some people have God-given talent, no doubt. There's no doubt. Some people have talent. But the people who excel in anything, in business, in sports, in anything, and more than all that together in God's work are people who do the work when nobody's looking. They spend time in prayer. They spend time in the Word. They don't announce it on Instagram and Facebook that they left a track at the restaurant. They just do it. Amen? God's speaking to us. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Do it because it's what God called us to do. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for people who want to excel, people who want to abound, people who want to do more. And, and I'm doing it because, as it goes back to that first verse, I love the Lord. Father, tonight in this place, help us as a church all together improve, all together grow, all together go forward, not backwards, constantly increasing the quality of our walk with God. How many in this place tonight are watching online, listening on the podcast? You can't be a disciple tonight. You're not a disciple because you have not been born again. The Bible says clearly that man cannot inherit eternal life unless he is born again. Meaning you were born of flesh, but you must be born of the Spirit. The Bible tells us, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And the way you're born again is that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to heaven. The Bible says no one comes unto the Father except through him. Tonight, it's not enough just to believe in God. The Bible says you must believe in the Son. You must believe in the risen one. You must believe in Jesus Christ and him crucified. How many all across this place could say, Pastor, before we leave this place tonight, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life and I want to be born again. And I've never said that prayer before. Just lift up your hand and put it right back down. All over this place. Just lift it up. Put it right back down. We're going to see lots of hands raised in October. We're going to see lots of hands raised in November. We're going to see lots of hands raised in December. You know why? Because we're all going to improve our prayer lives. We're all going to improve the seeds we sow. We're all going to improve our walk with God. And we're going to get out to the streets. And we're going to go to the highways and the byways. And we're going to preach the gospel. And God's going to bring in a harvest we've never seen before. And I believe it. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you're here and you said that prayer at some point, but you need to rededicate your life to the Lord tonight. Pastor, you're talking to me. Just put it up. Put that hand up. Put it right back down. I see your hands. Amen. Rededicate. I'm, I'm getting serious. Sometimes you're in the church and you hear the messages and, and you believe, but you don't take it serious and you don't really commit. And God wants all of you tonight. He doesn't want some of you. He wants all of you. If that's you tonight, tonight's the night you come to this altar and you say, Jesus, I'm giving it all to you. Let's stand to our feet tonight, if you would. We're going to open up these altars. We're going to spend a few minutes in prayer, and we're going to improve in whatever area, in areas, God wants to work on us in. I pray and, and hope that as this message was being preached, some things hit your spirit. That's an area I can work on. That's an area I can get better in. I can focus more on me than somebody else. I can get my eyes off of other people and get my eyes on Jesus. But right before we do, we're going to say a prayer with those watching on the live stream, those listening on the podcast, because we never know who's watching. 
tonight. Wouldn't it be amazing if 10 or 20 or 100 people said this prayer? We don't even know where they're at. We don't even know where they're I believe God also is going to grow our live stream. He's going to, how many believe God could grow our live stream? He could grow our, our media, our audio. We're going we're to believe God as a church to get some more equipment, get some more cameras, and, and spend some money to get more viewers to come to our channel and, and listen to the Word of God because we're reaching people. We're hearing it different places, all the way up to Alaska. People are listening, don't have churches. People haven't been able to go back to their church. Although we have people that drive a long ways to church, some people can't drive that far, and they're watching online. And tonight, we don't know who, but how many know if one person gets saved, this service meant everything. So say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, right now I give you my heart. I give you my life. I surrender to you. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. I believe with all my heart, all my mind, that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe He died on the cross for all of my sins, and I believe He rose from the dead. Jesus, please forgive me and wash me clean from all my sins. This night, is the first night of the rest of my life. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my soul. I surrender to you. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. As we give the Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.